Hello and welcome to the Investors Chronicle Companies and Markets Show. I am John Human, editor of the Investors Chronicle, joined today by Neil Wilson, Chief Market Analyst at Markets.com. How are you doing? Uh, very well, thank you. Yeah, not caught the coronavirus yet. I'm glad to thank hear you. it. Although you, I, <laughs> I, I did see that you'd had a nasty dose of flu or something, or man flu at least. I think it's man flu. Man flu. Yeah. With whiskey cure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, one of the reasons we've got you on today is because it's a great time to talk about markets and that's what you do. Uh, and also, as it happens, you've taken over the morning trading email. Yeah, I'm, and uh, well, hopefully people are enjoying it, and uh, I'm certainly enjoying writing it. So there's no shortage of uh, of market moves to talk about. We're seeing the Dow move a thousand points a day at the moment. It's certainly interesting times. Yeah, interesting times. That's not the old Chinese proverb, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> yeah. May you live in interesting times, and, and it's a threat, isn't it? More than <laughs> yeah. a... <laughs> and and not eat bat soup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so we've spoken about the coronavirus before on this podcast, Phil and I. Spent a lot of time talking about it last week and really kind of what what investors should do and uh, how they should perhaps think about what this has highlighted. And and really, it's, it's kind of brought about a, a big dose of risk aversion. Yeah, for although, sure. Although it is whipsawing, or what did you call it earlier, uh, I think, wanging around. Wanging around. Yeah, it's a technical term. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think what I think what you've seen is that the 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 bond market is completely driving stocks at the moment. So we've seen U.S. ten-year yields, which are the sort of benchmark yield for the for the for the for the world, um, and everything gets dragged along by the U.S. ten-year yield, whether it's gilts or uh, even the ECB, even even boons. You know, they 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 are moving really on on what's happening to the U.S. yield, and that dropped to a key figure, uh, point point nine percent, basically, which first is time, first time ever. Yeah, first time ever. So a record low. So. The bond market is really dragging dragging stocks around at the moment, uh, uh, and that's and that's premised on sort of risk aversion that people want to get into bonds, but it's also premised on the idea that probably the Federal Reserve and other central banks will be cutting rates and therefore forcing down yields to um, to record lows. Well, the, the Fed did cut rates this week, uh, so there was an emergency, and and that was what it was called. Yeah, an emergency fifty basis point cut. Yeah, I mean, pretty significant. It is. It is. I think the thing, what was interesting about that was that it was so expected, or, or at least a, a cut of that size was expected within two weeks, within the sort of time scale of the meeting. So the, there was going to be a meeting this month anyway. But, but wasn't the unusual thing that it was done so far in advance of the scheduled meeting? Yeah, it is unusual, um, and it, it, I think why you know the stock market sort of rallied on Monday. The the U.S. market rallied five percent on Monday, and then was off. 4% on Tuesday, and in between that was the cut. So the market had sort of rallied on the expectation of cuts and expectation of this G7 call, which had happened where we thought there was maybe going to be a coordinated response. But we didn't really get a coordinated response. All we got was the US Federal Reserve coming out with this big cut. I mean, there are expectations that the Bank of England will follow suit, the ECB yeah, will follow sure. suit, but, but they haven't actually done anything. They haven't yet. done anything yet, and I think the, the G7 statement that came out didn't really tell us anything that we didn't already know, which is that policymakers will, will use all appropriate tools that they have in order to sustain the economy. I mean, that, that, that's sort of stating the obvious, in a sense. I guess, I guess, I mean, there is a question around all this. I mean, lots of people responded to that cut. So the market responded well and then didn't. Well, that, yeah. that begs a question. I mean, why why the sudden enthusiasm for the cut, and then almost immediately the kind of reversion to to fear? Mm-hmm. I think I think 
at the moment we've we've so we've we've had like for i guess for 10 years we've had a, a buy the dip mentality so whenever the stock market sells off it's a great opportunity to get into it because that's your that's your chance to get a slightly better price than it was um because every the, the, you know everyone's trying to get in but constantly constantly thinking oh it's expensive so they wait for the sell off and then they come in but it's been constantly going up which i guess and it's constantly going up that mentality exactly and then now we've what we've seen i i think because of the bond market the collapse in yields is that you've reverted to a a mentality where you're selling into rallies so you get a rally off some headline of a 50 basis point cut um and then you know it starts to look a bit extended it starts to look like well we've We've rallied a thousand points in a day. Now is the time to take. You know, maybe maybe now is the time to come out. So the, there's been a switch in the market mentality, uh, which drives it ultimately, which is to to sell into rallies. Mm. Not it's a sign of distress. Yeah, more than a sign yeah, of, for sure, a sign of uh, great uncertainty. Stop. Yeah, it's great uncertainty. Um, no one actually knows how how the virus will progress or how um how what sort of economic impact there will be what's what are the earnings expectations going to be like what will there be earnings recession will there be you know because we saw particularly last year we saw a big uh, expansion uh, we keep talking about the US market because it sort of drives everything I think we should I think focus on the US market it's it's where yeah. the action is at the moment yeah and I think you know you've saw a massive multiple expansion in 2019 uh, it wasn't off the back of earnings growth it was multiple expansion and, and there was earnings growth but a lot of that was buyback driven Precisely, so sort of fake, fake earnings, fake growth, earnings growth. <laughs> essentially. <laughs> but but you saw a massive multiple expansion in that in 2019, um, and so you need earnings to follow through in 2020 in order to justify that expansion. And the the the, the problem now is that the coronavirus has suddenly created this environment where people are thinking that there's not going to be earnings growth; it's going to be. A recession, and you see that with like the airlines coming out with with profits warnings, and companies are are starting to come out with profits warnings, but not quite yet. I think I think we need to see over the next four to six weeks exactly what the the damage will be. Yeah, I mean there was, I mean let's focus on airlines for the time being because there was a very significant release by a big US airline. Yeah, so Southwest on uh, on Thursday they said that their Q one earnings would be reduced by two hundred to three hundred million dollars. It's a profits warning, right? It's 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 um, and that's after Norwegian, so Norwegian Air, which is a troubled airline. I saw your tweet on this this morning. <laughs> yeah. said it was, there was two days difference between saying no impact of the coronavirus and actually we're going to cut all these scheduled flights. Yeah, so in, <laughs> in the space of two days, Norwegian, which is not the best airline, or, or, or sorry, it's not the best uh, balance sheet for any airline, mm. um, have have gone from March third saying no problems, it's all fine to scrapping guidance and cancelling lots of flights and IEG which owns BA is doing the same um, and I think the Southwest warning today sort of suggests that some of these profits warnings could be quite big for the is airlines. It, Southwest is a largely domestic airline in the US? Yeah. Am I right? Yes. Uh, yeah. because, because there is also this school of thought that the, you know, the coronavirus itself, the uh, you know, its deadliness it, it has been overblown. Mm. Um, but it's, it, it doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter how bad the illness is. It, if the authorities respond in a certain way and the, the economic impact is such, mm. that's what affects the stock market. The stock's you know, the market's not moving because of how bad the illness is. It's how bad the response is and how much you curtail or how much people voluntarily can curtail their spending 
companies stop people from traveling companies stop people from from doing stuff yeah it is interesting i mean we, we spoke about this this briefly before we uh started recording but you know airlines have always been notoriously cyclical so you know, very mm. very sensitive to to economic activity uh so so you would expect something like this you know to to uh something like the coronavirus to, to have this kind of impact and what we were talking about which i which i've alluded to in my editorial is what if this change could, is, is more permanent than people expect yeah. Um, so, so, you know, airlines are already, and we've written about this in the magazine, in the sort of firing line of the climate change lobby. Uh, Flugsham, I think we call it. <laughs> the uh, the uh, the shame of, of taking a flight, knowing Why is how that, economically damaged. always uh, a German word for something, isn't there? There's a Swedish one as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, indeed. The shame of taking a flight, uh, no, but knowing how environmentally damaging it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, business travel is, is a significant part of the business of these companies. Uh, and and you know, coronavirus, has that created a, a situation where people go, OK, you know what, we won't travel. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll start using these video conferencing tools, you know, remote working tools, people can work at home and it changes behavior permanently but that's that i think is a fear that hasn't really been talked about what if this means that the airline's structural growth story is completely undermined mm-hmm. for decades to come yeah i think that's a very 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 strong point and very valid it's it's um companies will reassess based on the fact that they they managed to get through the coronavirus on on not traveling or um, whatever it might be makes them a little bit more ESG friendly. Yeah, so that's you know it sits the shareholders or it sits their mandate that they've been given to cut emissions by X percentage and, and that kind of thing. So yeah, they're 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 gonna they're gonna use this as a as a as a. I guess it's a catalyst for for change. The yeah. change that's already happening, though, it's not. It's it's with the trend. I think that's the thing. It sort of just makes things speed up. Yeah, and, I, and I've, I've my, my editorial is called the wrong end of the trend. And I think there are a number of companies that that you know fall into this category. What, the one I've highlighted is Cineworld, as an yeah. example, which its shares have taken a battering this week, as you would kind of expect. People don't yeah. tend to want to hang out in large groups if there is a risk that of a contagion knocking about. But then there is other things that are making its life difficult. And, 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 you know, the example I refer to in, in, in my editorial is streaming services. Yeah. So like Netflix, its shares have actually risen this week. Yeah, I mean, it's Netflix is, you know, you're going to stay in, then you're going to... But it, it, I think the thing is, you, you can make sort of slightly flippant comments about, well, people have to stay in and therefore they'll order Domino's pizzas and... They've had a shock at this week. And watch, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and, and watch Netflix and therefore, you know, they're going to do better. But the important point is that structural shift maybe that this might help with and you know people are talking about the fact that this just accelerates a decoupling of supply chains and the decoupling of economies because people realize that there are risks and and it forces them apart and it's actually very hard to come back together it's easy it's easy to get split apart but it's harder to come back together well again this was something we spoke about you know that that whole sort of deglobalization story has been driven up until now by by the trade war yeah. And, you know, Trump's idea that we can reshore a lot of stuff that we've sent out to China. China is taking America for a ride. But this had, this answer, again, as you say, a catalyst to this this whole process. Mm-hmm. And it's something that actually I read a really fantastic piece in The Spectator this week written by Kate Andrews about this very, very subject. Will this accelerate? And it's something actually Phil alluded to at the end of our podcast last week. But, yeah, so shortening those supply chains, changing the way that companies... yeah. Uh, are, are supplied. It, it, this is this is this is a, potentially a fundamental shift in the way the, the global economy works. Yeah. So to, I mean, it, uh, I, I guess it fulfills two things: de-risks and it fulfills this new ESG thing, where 
shareholders now are actually demanding that you are carbon neutral. Or, or, you know, you've seen BP come out with the most radical sort of plan to become carbon neutral. If BP's doing that, then, then it just shows the pressure that, that boards boards feel under pressure to fulfil certain criteria, and that, that affects their decision-making and affects investment decisions and... and, and and at every decision, I guess it just feels so. It feels like we're at this 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 confluence of like well, big trends like ESG, uh, deglobalization, um, with this catalyst of coronavirus. This, I mean, you know, there is uncertainty enough as it is. This is this is this is beyond any uncertainty mm. I've I've seen before. You know, even at times like the dot com boom, yeah, and I bust. Get, well, that's it. I mean, I, I think even the financial crisis was was basically a you know was we a, knew what was happening. It was a credit crunch. Yeah, it was all it was. It was just a lack of lack of liquidity, lack of credit in the market that caused the problem. It was a financial problem. This is actually a real world problem, mm. and that it, that is fundamentally different. And that actually means that companies' earnings will be affected um, because of consumers making different decisions, because of company bosses making different decisions on where they source stuff from. So there is the real, a real, very real potential for a wave of profit warning. Across all markets, from, uh, from you know, for, for the next couple of months. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, so. it's, it's I think, yeah, I think we'll see. I mean, the, I guess the thing is, is it just a profits warning for Q one, Q two, and then and then we're all good, or does it does does it fulfil that structural mm. sort of shift that, that that you're talking about? If only we knew. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's that what makes moving, stock markets. That's why the Dow is moving by a thousand points a day because no one actually knows. Yeah, and it's why people are seeking solace and and uh safety in in bonds and yeah gold have you looked at the gold price lately uh i have yes it was uh last up uh around 1640 okay that's about where that's about where it's peaked so far but, uh, yeah it did it it's fascinating the way gold moved because it peaked at 1690 it approached 1690 which was the sort of extension target that we talked about and then it completely came off and fell back below 1600. So there's a massive bout of profit taking last week by hedge funds, but leverage funds who were uh, using, searching for somewhere to get cash in order to cover positions, in order to, you know, they needed to raise some cash. And so gold was the ideal way to do that, to sell, to sell those gold holdings, which had made a whopping great return for a while. Um, but I think now we're getting the, the reassertion of the trend, which is for gold to, to rally. And I think we see, you know, with US uh, real yields, which is benchmark yields minus inflation or plus inflation, um, they are now deeply negative. So like out to the 10-year yield in real terms is actually negative uh, 0.44% or something. So I guess, that, I mean, the, the case for not owning gold has always been that it doesn't pay anything. Yeah, but that if, case real, if real yields are negative... Then the case for holding gold is very strong. It's very, very strong indeed. Yeah, and and you see the correlation is is fantastic, it, or it's a negative correlation, but it's it's absolutely spot on. Yeah. Um, should we talk about oil recently? Because I know that's something you've been looking at as well in your, uh, your yeah your missives yeah. recently. Because oil is sort of is almost like, like doing the converse of gold at the moment. Yeah, and I guess that's because it's so sensitive to the economy. Yeah, I mean oil oil's um, come off sort of thirty over thirty percent since its high at the start of the year, and that, and that's because of the virus. Because demand in China has been completely China's the biggest importer of yeah. oil, and it and demand has been absolutely 
uh, are smashed. And the problem with that is that you see demand destruction with oil. It, it completely goes. There's no, you don't recover that demand. Um, and, I, which is something I've actually written about too, about in terms of airlines. You know, yeah. someone doesn't take a flight to, flight today; they're not going to take the same flight no. in two weeks' time. Exactly. Same with restaurants, cinemas, as we talked yeah. about. It's, yeah. it's the same sort of idea. The OPEC cartel is looking at cutting aggressively. Over a million barrels per day is being talked about at the moment. Russia has not necessarily been on side, but it should be on side, I think. But the point is that. OPEC can keep cutting production, but the, they can't do anything about the demand side and they can't do anything about the supply side that's ex-OPEC. So OPEC and its allies is basically Russia plus Saudi Arabia. But the US is exporting a record amount. Norway's producing more. Brazil's producing more. So you're seeing a lot more coming on stream and you're seeing this demand destruction. So it's going to be very tough for OPEC to actually do anything about about the prices yeah bad news for uh, for big oil then yeah well i think we've seen shell at 52 week low and i think that oil will come oil will come back prices will come back but um near term it's certainly it's certainly a headwind but i would say that maybe shell at a 52 week low is not a bad shout as a buy I don't think you're. I don't think you're in the business of, uh, no, of, of recommendations. Of, of recommendation, no. Absolutely. But that's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is interesting. It, look, it all feels quite deflationary, an oil price yeah. tanking like that, which is the thing that all, all people, all governments want to avoid. Well, yeah, they do. But low infl- I thought low inflation was going to be good. I mean, <laughs> yeah, but they've got they're all stuffed full of debt. <laughs> you want to inflate the debt away. Yes. The debt gets bigger in a deflationary environment. Exactly. And there's too much of that washing about, particularly in China. Yes. That's a story for another time. Should we talk about some companies? This is the Companies of Market show. Sure. I, I would ask you what your outlook for markets is, but I don't think there is one right now. I think we see, I mean, broadly, we see a lot of stress for some, you know, a month, two months, three months. You, But then you see the US election towards the end of the year and then maybe some... Once you get through the, the coronavirus, once you get through the election, then you start to consider that things will, will pick up. Um, there'll be sectors that will be struggling still. Maybe airlines are one of them. But mm. there, there will be sectors. But broadly speaking, I think you see a pickup after sort of... I mean, you see it in China now. Like They're already starting to get activities coming back online. And I think that will happen in, say, six months' time. Yeah. Um, I mean, you actually talk in your, your piece today about... Uh, something that's been very much overshadowed by this this whole market mayhem and, and coronavirus outbreak, which is what's going on in the US presidential elections. Yeah. And you think it matters? Yeah, it does, for sure. I mean, uh, you, so you saw... The amazing thing was that the the the, the rally on Wednesday for the Dow, which was a, another 1,100-point rally, the second biggest ever, the, the biggest ever being on Monday, where that, it's in points terms, it's not percentage terms, that was entirely based off, off the fact that Joe Biden had done well in the in the Democrat primaries. And therefore that reduces the chances of Bernie Sanders becoming the president. Um, and Sanders is a sort of avowed socialist. But it sounds very familiar to the, uh, to the election <laughs> yeah. scenario we had here yeah. not too long ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort of... Uh, uh, Are like, Americans really going to vote for, uh, you know, uh, uh, an avowed socialist? Uh, no, I, I don't think they are. But, so, but so, it's such a partisan system that it means it's, it's always going to be super close. So there's always going to be people that stick to to their party, yeah. You know the party line, and it's you know Trump won 
not not massively last time. And uh, I think, you know, you only need a couple of, much like our system, you only need a couple of states to go the other way. And But what we saw here, kind of, you know, if you extrapolated that to the US, yeah. you know, there was a lot of market concern that Jeremy Corbyn was doing quite well mm. in the polls mm. before the election, and then he got absolutely trounced. Yeah, well, I guess that maybe that should markets exhibit too much fear and too much... They, they, they go too extremely. There's too much fear mm. when things look bad, and there's too much euphoria when things look good, and that, you know, sort of maybe something a bit more in the middle might be more appropriate. Something we should keep an eye on, though, you reckon, the uh, US presidential election cycle? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, Joe Biden is looking a bit better now. I think if, if he's up against Trump, what, what that does is it Funnily enough, it actually raises the chances that Trump loses, and therefore that's probably bad. Biden, you mean? Yes, right. Biden. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, whereas if Sanders is up against them, then we think Trump's going to walk it, um, which is good for the stock market. Especially as he can keep telling the Federal Reserve what to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah well, they'll be... <laughs> which he, of course, isn't doing. They'll be at zero by, by the election, by this rate. Yeah, something to keep an eye on. Interesting thing happening this week is the FTSE Quarterly Review, which you've mentioned in your piece today. What have we? Who's coming in? FTSE 100, Fresnillo. Fresnillo, back in. They've been having a shocker lately. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you teeter around the top, the top end of the FTSE 250, then then you're gonna you're gonna be a candidate. Um, I think I think it's the the story is really in who's gone out and NMC Health has has obviously had its problems. (laughs) Have we written about them this week in the magazine? I seem to. Yes, we have. I mean, I don't think there's been a week we haven't. I mean, that, yeah, I mean, that's a a disaster of governance. Um, it's not something you expect to see in a FTSE 100 company. No, I have to say, no, no, it's it's um, it's extraordinary. I, I think that that you know, arguably, there's people that will need to answer for that. Mm, mm. Um, Tui's gone as well. Or yeah, Tui. I mean, Tui's sort of just being hit by this coronavirus hit, but also structurally package holidays problem and also the uh, they, they've had a bit of a hit from the Boeing crisis with the Max 737. Yeah, they seem to be worse hit than anyone actually by this. It's uh, Yeah, it's, it's very uh, odd. It's it's hard for them. I think there was a bit of there was a lot of optimism when Thomas Cook failed because you thought well Tui's going to get all the business. Well, Flybe's gone this morning and you saw a little yeah. bounce in airline share prices. It bounced and then it came off. Yeah. Uh, with the rest of the market, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it did bounce. Yeah, it did uh, bounce. There was actually there was some bid on on those stocks because of the loss of Flybe. I think that's you'll see that more and more. It's just lo- fewer airlines operating, fewer tour operators. Well, the capacity's got to, got to come out of the yeah. market. It's got to come out of the market. It's uh, it's savage. Yes, and I mean it's, again, it's something I've referred to quite a lot. You know, just watch out for those companies that are a structurally weak and mm-hmm. and and their their frailties are exposed by by what's happening in markets and, and with this uh, lockdown, yeah, this virus lockdown. Uh, we've also got Kingfisher. Yeah, Kingfisher. <laughs> like a nice bit of screw fix, though. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I, I've written about Kingfisher for f- four years now and it's, it's, it's just been consistently bad in France and consistently good with screw fix. But they need, to, they need to split the company up, I think. Into... Maybe UK France. Maybe you split or... off Screwfix, or maybe you split off UK France. Well, whatever it is, but there's no, there's no, um, there's no real synergy from keeping them together. Yeah, do you know, I always struggled. I always struggled to write about this company, mainly because 
understanding French DIY habits. <laughs> I, I found it impossible to do it, as does it seem the chief executive of Kingfish. Well, that's it. And they, they tried to, the thing is, they tried this one sourcing strategy where they, they thought, well, well, we'll buy, you know, we'll be a big company and we'll buy it all on the cheap. But, of course, the, the fittings and fixtures that are used in Poland are not the same as in Paris and as in London. So this, it's all quite tricky to do it that way. Yeah, um, and and they've and I think maybe they've they've suffered a bit in the UK with some, you know, slowdown in the property market and that kind of thing. But I think it's a deeper a deeper problem for them. Yeah, I mean, because other other car we spoke on this podcast last week about Howden Joiner, which is doing pretty well. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and if it was a market problem that that the housing market was so soft yeah. that the, the, there was no nothing for these companies to to, to tap into, mm-hmm. then you would have expected to see that in Howden as well. Yeah, I, I think you, you can you can locate it. With the French the French business has really really suffered. I think we said that Tops had a big profit warning the other day. Who's Tops? Tops. Tops. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, I think this is an example of why you need to look at the business in more detail rather yeah. than trying to make investment decisions off of what what sort of broad market yes, exactly, things yeah. are telling you. Yeah. What else have we got in there? You write about ITV today and supermarket. Why do you write about supermarkets? What's happening there? Oh yeah, well Tesco. So Tesco is going to price match Aldi on hundreds of items so that is a you know we're back into supermarket price wars wow which we were in what a couple of years ago and seems to have sort of died died down a bit all that but the, i think we're into a new price war wasn't great news for any of the supermarkets at the time if i remember right no it's not a good it's not a good plan is it to collectively cut margins no although, although you know i guess tesco i think tesco's done a great job of getting itself back on on its yeah. feet after some of the problems it had uh, in the past most of those problems most of the problems the big supermarkets have faced have been because of changes in consumer behaviour, like we talked yeah. about before. People go and shop at Audi or Lidl in, uh, yeah. you know, when when times are tight, and they never go back. That's it. Yeah, um, Morrison's is probably the one that seems to be struggling um, in terms of its share price, um, and nearly, I think nearly got dropped out of the FTSE one hundred actually this week. So um, it's not it's not ideal for uh, for the supermarkets to be engaging in a price war at this time. Um, and I think you'll see that that will compress margins. Um, it's maybe the only way they need. It's maybe the only way they can go. But um, for shareholders, it's probably not going to be ideal. No. Um, and ITV just seems to have taken a bit of a hit from from the fact that airlines are not going to be advertising. So they're they're seeing ad revenues down ten percent in April, largely because of holiday companies and airlines not advertising. It was always that Jet Two. That's mm. the only. Travel out, I can see to remember. It's on the My dark group, isn't it? It's dark, yeah. My daughter, um, her her dance class uses that the the music from that for for her for one of the routines that they do. So she's always dancing in front of the telly. It's Jess Jess Glynn. I shouldn't admit to knowing that. <laughs> I've got teenage daughters as well. Um, in fact, we've written about the uh, holiday industry uh, in this week's magazine in the news feature, uh, looking at the impact of coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, it's savage. It's yeah. savage, especially if you're a cruise operator. Well, I, I was going to go skiing in four weeks, but I'm not now. Aren't you? No. I was supposed to be going, I'm going to Vienna uh, okay. at Easter. Yeah. Do you think I'm going to make it? I think you, well, I mean, we, we had very specific requirements based on my extended family. So it didn't quite work out. That's a shame. Had you paid for it? I uh, know. 
Yeah, we have. No, hence why, hence why I'm quite happy just to pull out. Yeah, yeah. No, we have paid for it. So, you know, I guess this is something that a story that might come out down the line. You know, if, if lots of people are cancelling cancelling holiday plans, what what's the impact on the insurance industry? Yeah. Well, um, we've had a lot of insurance report this week. Have they actually said but, much but about? But there's not it? been. I, mean, I haven't seen. I there's not it. been any real detail on on the coronavirus. They've not been commenting on that, from what I can tell. No, we had um, lots and lots of results, as you say. Admiral from, did very well. I think record record profits. Yeah, them, insurance uh, looks alright, but but. I don't think we've even seen mm. any real that might coronavirus come, business. That might come in three months' time. Yeah, we had a lot of results this week. It was uh, very, very busy it's indeed. Busy. It's, it's, been been a, busy. it's been a fun week. <laughs> it's been a very, very fun week. Thank you, Neil. Thank it's you. Been fantastic. Keep the morning outlooks coming in, Neil. We're all enjoying them very much, as I hope the uh, readers are. Let us know if you've got any feedback there. And uh, let me just talk you through what else we've got in the magazine this week. All the usual stuff. Algie Hall looking at uh, a value stock screen. It's got it's a very interesting angle, psychological angle to that, which I won't mention on this podcast because it's a bit X-rated <laughs> as it happens. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a real experiment, but uh, he felt he had to include it. Um, um, I'm intrigued. I want to... I hope everyone's intrigued. Yeah. It's, it's, I was intrigued. He was telling me about it and also slightly shocked. <laughs> um, lots and lots of company results, as I suggested. Lots in the personal finance and fun section, which they'll talk about about on their podcast tomorrow lots and lots of um news and comments phil oakley's looking at national express this week which has been a horror horror of a company but but phil actually thinks it's starting to look okay uh phil will be back here next week coronavirus allowing we've got a contingency plan you'll you'll keep getting your magazines and uh yeah all the usual we've we've uh, we've actually got a new trader in the magazine this week as well michael taylor and he's looking at fever tree and some of the price action there and 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 what it tells us about how you can build some sort of trading stuff into how you're looking uh, investing in in companies like this nmc holiday companies uh which is all pretty hideous wpp pretty hideous into properties pretty hideous disaster 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 yeah. uh and then a sort of disaster reverted in the form of serious minerals mm. i mean it's it's a disaster for people that bought that at the top but yeah angler played a blinder there I they think. did play a blinder but lots of people are really cross yeah. but the uh but the vote got through anyway so uh, anglo is buying serious and the project survives and people get some money back although there was a lot of uh acrimony it's pretty there. brutal for for a lot of people it has been brutal uh, i feel for them thank you very much for listening the main feature in the magazine is this week is our ISA special uh 50 smart ISA ideas uh, lots and lots of things you can put in your ISA there uh as we uh, approach the end of the tax year Thank you all for listening. 50 Smart Ice Ideas, the most profitable ways to use the UK's most popular tax break. Uh, I'll be back again next week. Thank you, Neil. Thank you very much. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.